one. Good day, listeners. This is your host, Michael Martins, with the Martins Critical Review, broadcasting this morning from a stunning wintry day here in south-central British Columbia. In today's program, we continue our series on the conservation of humanity, exploring the Wuhan flu COVID-19 pandemic and the scientifically baseless response from global health authorities regarding the dangerous mRNA COVID vaccines, with a particular focus today on our children. Joining us again today for this program is Dr. Francis Christian, MD. Dr. Christian has been a surgeon for more than 20 years and began working in Saskatoon in 2007. He's a practicing surgeon in Saskatoon and held the position of a clinical professor of general surgery at the University of Saskatchewan. Dr. Christian recently made headlines for raising the alarm and questioning the safety and efficacy of the experimental mRNA vaccines and whether the present COVID-19 situation presented an adequate emergency to warrant the deployment of these experimental products. This move was met with a draconian Soviet-style dismissal from his positions at the hands of the provincial health and University of Saskatchewan officials. Dr. Christian previously appeared on the show during episode number 78 and would encourage listeners that may have missed that episode to give it a listen. Dr. Christian, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for your time today. It's an honor to be able to speak with you again. Uh, thank you very much, Michael, for having me on the show. And it's a privilege for me to speak to you and to Canadians. Thank you so much. So before we delve into the details of the present situation, uh, perhaps you could share a brief background on, uh, on yourself with the listeners and, and what's happened in your world since we last spoke. Well, uh, you summarized happened uh, to me, uh, I asked for informed consent in the rollout of the, the mRNA vaccines to our kids. Um, you know, informed consent is a very non-controversial thing or should be a very non-controversial thing. Informed consent simply means that we have to make the patient or in this case, the population aware that any intervention or treatment, uh, the risks have to be explained adequately, the benefits have to be explained, and any alternatives have to be given before we obtain informed consent. So we have to inform. And that information uh, was not happening uh, in the province of Saskatchewan. So I was asking for informed consent it's not a controversial thing. And as you pointed out, uh, the authorities didn't like that. And there was a, there was a tribunal and that they, they, they fired me from my positions for asking for informed consent. Now, um, what happened after that is, is, uh, is, is actually, Michael, I, I think I'm just going to pass over that because that's much less important than what's happening now, which is, um, which is that the rollout of this vaccine, uh, the mRNA injection, uh, to our 5 to 11-year-olds now. It was 12 to 17, and now it's 5 to 11-year-olds. And that, to me, constitutes a, uh, a, an, an emergency. Uh, that, to me, is, uh, is an urgent call for authorities and for parents to, to just stop and to and, and to inform themselves of what this vaccine is, what it can do, whether it's necessary for kids. There's very clear evidence from multiple nations that kids do not need the mRNA vaccine. 
Okay, so that is not controversial at all. Uh, there is, uh, there is, there's very good data uh, recently from Germany, 80 million people, not one child in the last couple of years, not one child died of COVID. Uh, I believe eight children died with COVID and there's a distinction there. Uh, and, and here's where there has been no transparency from our authorities. Uh, we physicians know that uh, just because somebody tests positive to something, it doesn't mean they die off that infection. For example, there's a, the, the, you know, there's, there's a thing called Staphylococcus, which is, a, which is a bug that sometimes resides in the nasal passages of people. And some of them, or some of those Staphylococcus bacteria are resistant to antibiotics. And some of them test positive to that. But, and, but doesn't, that doesn't mean that that particular bug is killing the patient if they die of a heart attack or if they die of a stroke or if they die of something else wrong in their abdomen. So this is the lack of transparency that we have had from the authorities from day one. But regardless, the German figures, 80 million people released about three weeks ago showed that not one single child died of COVID. Uh, I believe 17 children have died within Canada, 17 out of millions uh, with the diagnosis of COVID. Now, uh, those who have looked at the data believe that most, or if not all of these kids had something else seriously wrong with them as well. Like, you know, unfortunately kids sometimes get serious diseases, cancers and immuno, uh, immunological uh, problems and so on. So uh, there is very good data available from uh, multiple countries that this virus does not affect kids in the same way as it affects adults. And thank God for that. Uh, it, it, is, it is a lethal and it can be quite dangerous disease for elderly people. But there's a more than a thousand fold difference between how it affects the young versus how it affects old people. And that has to be respected and it hasn't been, uh, and it hasn't been adequately um, conveyed to the public that this is not a threat to children. Thank God for that. Uh, in the country of Sweden, for example, never had a lockdown for kids. They never shut their schools. There was no masking in schools. There was no physical distancing in schools. And guess what? Their death rate, not just for kids, for adults too, is now among the lowest. It has been for several months, among the lowest in the world. So there's no need to mask kids. There's no need to socially distance kids. And there's definitely no need to inject them with the mRNA vaccine which ha can have its own side effect. Now, what I'm, what I'm actually telling you is actually part of informed consent, okay? And I can bet you that parents, if you take a sample of 100 people, just pull 100 people off the street and ask them, do they know all this before they make that decision to give this injection to their kid, which is still in actually an experimental uh, injection because the phase three trials are not designed to end till 2023. 
I mean, Health Canada and the FDA may have, quote unquote, approved it, but it's all a, a very corrupt scheme. Uh, the entire, uh, the entire, the, 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 the entire whole approval process by the FDA and the and Health Canada has been called into question by several leading scientists. Uh, it's not my opinion. It's uh, it's it's what uh, leading scientists in the U.S. and in Canada have said that this should never have been approved for kids, but it but it has been, uh, and it should never have uh, been taken out of the experimental category, the interim use authorization. Uh, by the way, it was an interim use authorization when I uh, gave my press conference and asked publicly for informed consent uh, for our kids. Well, the fact is, um, kids don't need this vaccine. So that's that's well stated, Doctor. Thank you. Uh, I have some questions here for you, um, which hopefully will guide uh, parents uh, towards being informed uh, about these injections. And so we've covered the fact that children have minimal risk to severe outcomes or hospitalization uh, due to COVID-19. Um, why is this the case? And then secondly, is the risk to children actually greater with normal influenza when compared to COVID? Uh, so I'll answer the second question first, Michael. Um, if you look at the data in the last uh, three years, for example, uh, there have been more hospitalizations with flu than COVID. And uh, COVID uh, actually has a lesser mortality than the annual flu. In other words, uh, if you take the annual flu death rate or mortality rate for kids over the last several years, uh, more people, more young kids, I'm not talking about the older people, young kids, uh, I'm talking about less than 20 year old, less than 17 year olds, less of them die of COVID than the annual flu. Uh, and, and so, uh, like I said, in the entire uh, country of Germany, uh, that, that recent paper pointed out that not a single kid had died of COVID, and maybe eight had died with COVID. So if you look at the data worldwide, there is no doubt that flu is more, the flu is more dangerous or has, a more, has a more of a mortality to, um, to young kids than COVID. So uh, the question then uh, comes back to should you be giving a, uh, a an experimental uh, vaccine which has its own adverse reactions to a population for which the risk is almost zero. Statistically, it is actually zero. Um, and and then do you, do you do you want to expose them to the risks of this experimental injection, the mRNA injection, which is a new technology? It has never been used clinically in humans ever before. Do you want to do that, or do you want to get all the facts before you decide? And all the all the things I'm telling you is 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 not. I'm actually a pro-vaccine physician, Michael. I I've vaccinated all my kids. Uh, I take the vaccines. I I actually uh, I'm also a student of history, so I know, for example, that smallpox vaccine was 
was instrumental in the eradication of smallpox. So I'm a pro-vaccine guy. So if I'm telling you that the mRNA injection, uh, the mRNA vaccine, the Pfizer vaccine, which is the commonest vaccine for kids being used in Canada, is not necessary for your kids and can harm the kids, then, and you know, with my medical training, uh, you should at least, uh, and in my view, parents, health authorities, uh, and government agencies should take note and should say, you know, maybe there is something that we have missed. Um, and maybe we should get, inform ourselves better. Because after all, this is children. With adults, you know, you can give them the bad data. You can say, for example, uh, the big UK study showed that if you're not obese and fit and less than 40, your risk of dying of COVID is almost the same as a uh, as a kid who's 12 year olds, which is which is actually statistically zero. So you can tell, for example, a fit, uh, you know, 28 year old uh, hockey player, uh, look, your risk of dying of COVID is statistically almost zero. Here's the data. Um, this, these are the risks of the vaccine itself. One vaccine, the AstraZeneca, has been pulled from Canada because of its adverse effects. Another vaccine, the Moderna vaccine, has been banned, has been suspended for use in multiple countries in young people, including Finland, including Germany, including uh, UK, including Sweden, including Norway. Uh, so why have these countries suspended the Moderna vaccine for young people? Um, and, and, and why is it that Pfizer that uses the same technology? It's the same technology. The Moderna and the Pfizer vaccine use the mRNA technology. Why is the Pfizer being continued for kids? Uh, and so you can tell adults that, you know, the, this is the data. And so please, uh, you know, think about it before you make up your mind for taking the, uh, taking the uh, vaccine. And I, and I think on the, on the point there of Moderna. But when you have kids, um, uh, Michael, uh, they don't have a voice, and we have to be their voice. Yes, and I, I get, with the the case of the Moderna vaccine, I understand that it has about three times the active ingredients than Pfizer. Um, I believe uh, Peter McCullough uh, informed me of that. Uh, that the Pfizer is about thirty micrograms of uh, active ingredient, uh, whereas Moderna is about 90, uh, which obviously is going to have a tremendous effect between multiple doses, uh, the amount of that material that's being put into your body and the amount of uh, spike proteins that your body will be producing. So that that could be why that's the, the big difference there uh, in terms that's of effects. But, but bear in mind, Michael, that uh, a little arsenic uh, is, is, is not better for you than a lot of arsenic. So uh, you, uh, if, if, it's a, if it's poisoning uh, kids at a bigger dose, at a sm smaller dose also, it could be poisoning kids. So, that, so I don't think that that is, a, that is a valid argument against it. So even if that were true, why hasn't Health Canada suspended Moderna for young people? So the, you know, it, it, a lot of these things are not making sense. Uh, and, uh, and, 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 you know, we, we have to also look at the history of these companies. Uh, for example, many Canadians look at uh, Pfizer and say, oh, these pharmaceutical companies are making wonderful things. They have our best interests always at heart and so on. But just look at the history. Um, and Pfizer has repeatedly settled for criminal fraud with the US government. It's a US company. 
and they have repeatedly uh, been charged and have settled with billions of dollars for criminal fraud. So do you want to just take the company for its word or do you want to just be informed? And what I'm trying to do is inform people, inform people of the data, inform people of the information they need before they make the decision. Well, I guess in Canada, if we don't hear that uh, on the CBC, it didn't happen, right? Well, that, that, I mean, that is, of course, something I, I addressed, I believe, Michael, in my last interview with you, where I talked about how the media has become arms of government. Yes, uh, yes. The fact is, um, there is a, there, there, there's definitely a massive takeover of the media by the government. Uh, the, the, the media is supposed to be informing Canadians. Instead, they have become propaganda machines for the government. This, was, this is what happens in totalitarian regimes. I mean, if you look at um, the history of um, the Soviet Union, communism, uh, in 1917, Lenin made a speech where he uh, promulgated the, the doctrine or the uh, law of uh, the people's press, as he called it. And he, he said that only what the proletariat, the administration at that time, the communist regime declares as news will be allowed into the public realm. Uh, everything else will be censored. And uh, in other words, he was saying that the Soviet media has become an arm of government. And he also said this will be a temporary thing and, and these conditions will be lifted <laughs> once, once normality is restored. We know that Soviet tyranny, communist tyranny lasted for more than 70 years. So. Canadians should be very concerned about the fact that alternative views are not being allowed in media. Media's job is to get two sides together discussing the facts. And so far, it's been a single narrative. And anybody who strays from that narrative is persecuted. These are, these, these are the, uh, the, the signs of a tyranny. Yes, yes. And we have, um, you know, more and more information is coming out uh, from good researchers across the world on these products. Um, Steve Kirsch has reported on a risk-to-benefit analysis that was conducted by Dr. Toby Rogers, uh, which discovered that uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 117 kids may die for every one child saved from COVID by vaccinating this 5 to 12 or 5 to 11 or 5 to 12 age cohort. Uh, can we unpack this analysis? Uh I, I've read uh, Steve Kirsch's uh, paper in his Substack. Uh, Steve Kirsch, by the way, is 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 has done amazing work uh, in informing again informing people about the risks associated with the mRNA injections. Um, he's uh, he, he, he he's no slouch. He's actually uh, a he's got a master's from MIT. Uh, and anybody who knows MIT knows that you have to have uh, the best mathematical mind to do anything in MIT uh, in computer science. And that's what I believe Steve Kirsch has done. So uh, he's analyzed the data and he has shown that the vaccine for kids is actually much more dangerous than actually getting COVID. Because for kids, thank God, it's like a mild cold or sometimes not even that. I'll give you an example. One of my colleagues 
uh, two teenagers got uh, COVID. Uh, one guy uh, felt a little bit of a headache for a couple of days and it was gone. And the girl, uh, she had a stuffy nose and loss of smell, she said, for one and a half days. Actually, it started one morning, but the next evening, it, everything was fine again. Mm. And for the vast majority of kids, it's like a mild cold. Uh, if they do get uh, sicker, they usually recover very quickly too. Like I said, uh, COVID is less of a problem for kids than the annual flu. The, 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 a kid is, has 10 times more risk of dying of a road traffic accident than of dying of COVID. Does that mean you don't take them on road trips? So you have to look at risk in a, in a, in a, in a comprehensive setting. The risk of COVID is not zero, but it's pretty darn close to zero for kids. Yes, yes. And we also now, um, from the data, it seems that the myocarditis and pericarditis have emerged as serious and, and somewhat common adverse reactions to these injections. Uh, why should parents be concerned about this reaction? And, and why are the health authorities' claims that these are mild conditions so wrong? Well, uh, this is a claim that, uh, that, that the media has also propagated. I talked about how media has become an arm of government instead of being an independent arbiter of the truth. Um, that's what journalism is supposed to do. It's supposed to go after stories, do investigative reporting, present both sides of the argument. And journalists, I, I have to say, uh, Martin, they should be ashamed of themselves. If they have a conscience, they should be looking at both sides of this argument because people are literally losing their lives because they have become propaganda machines for the health authorities and, uh, and, and the government agencies. Uh, think about it. Uh, journalists, uh, because of the uh, malfeasance of the government and the fact that they are pushing only one narrative, people are actually losing their lives. So please look at the other side. Uh, and, and, and give other scientists who have an alt, and they are eminent people. They're people from Harvard and Yale and, and eminent immunologists and virologists in Canada and, and, and physicians too. And, and, and they, should, they, should be, they should be given a platform. And myocarditis is a condition where the heart becomes inflamed, okay? There's another condition called pericarditis where the covering of the heart becomes inflamed. Um, and um, there, there's been good work by Peter McCullough and, uh, and some of the other scientists he uh, has worked with, who has shown that the risk of a dangerous, not mild, dangerous myocarditis with COVID uh, vaccine, the mRNA vaccine, so vaccine-induced myocarditis is actually quite high. Uh, in in the Ontario data um, and in various data around the world, if we collate everything, it's every, anything from one in 4,000 to one in 20,000. But remember, these are only those that come to hospital. Uh, so these are diagnosed myocarditis cases. So what about the, like I was speaking to an engineer uh, who uh, he said, so this is, I, I'm giving you this example as 
a, a, as an example of the illogical tyranny that has taken over Canada. This fellow works from Victoria. His company is in Vancouver, his engineering company. He's been told to work from home, but he's been mandated to take the vaccine. He's 27 years old. He took the vaccine and he got myocarditis. He didn't go to the hospital. But it was very clear to me because he's known to me, uh, this guy. It very clear to me that he had myocarditis. He had severe chest pain. He had a racing heart for about six weeks. He wow. could, he's, he's a fellow that used to, used to run a lot, used to do weights. He couldn't do any of it. He's slowly getting back to not normal, but a, a sort of a functional state. This fellow didn't go to hospital. How many of these myocarditis things are happening at home? Yes. So if it's from one to 5,000 and one to 20,000, if you're vaccinating millions of kids, you do, you do the math. Myocarditis is a real risk with the vaccine. Yes. And, and then you have to look at the, the outcomes of myocarditis. Okay. So many, many conditions, uh, including myocarditis uh, in childhood and adulthood, actually don't have immediate results you know, resulting in death or mortality. But if you look at the results over five years, over 10 years, uh, a large proportion of myocarditis cases will need a heart transplant or will go into cardiac failure or will die. And that's been uh, anywhere from 10 to 20 and in some studies up to 30%. So uh, if you have, so there's no such thing as mild myocarditis. And I would, I would challenge the journalists who are just repeating and parroting the government propaganda. Just look at the long-term outcomes of myocarditis. And, and I would say even if 1% of the myocarditis cases result in mortality or death, you can't call it mild myocarditis, but it's a lot more than that. Yes. And, and a lot of these will result in disability too, because it'll go into cardiac failure. Yes. And I, and I think something that we have to state, you know, when, when you, you make the example of the 27 year old gentleman, uh, you know, if we, if we put ourselves back to when we were 14 and 16 years old running around and, and uh, you know, we might have thought we had a, a rib injury, you know, some tightness in your chest and you push through it. So, you know, if, if you're if it's if it is actually a mild case of myocarditis, which maybe affects, you know, three to 10 percent of the heart muscle where you're not incapacitated as a young person, what does that mean? What is the prognosis moving forward? You know, you may die from a heart attack at age 35. And, and these, as you suggest, you know, just because we have these diagnosed reported cases, these could be a fraction of what the totality of this problem is. And so uh, anecdotally, and uh, I know that uh, mainstream media has again been parroting the official line and saying that this happens all the time, but athletes, uh, very fit, some of the fittest people on the planet are the professional athletes, okay? That's their job. They, they're actually fitter uh, than, I mean, if you look at NHL players or NFL players, they're probably fitter now than 20 years ago even. Yes. Because of, of the way they, the scientific way you can keep fit now. So these are some of the fittest people on the planet. And, uh, and anecdotally, uh, if you look at if you look at the reports around the world, a lot of young athletes are either falling very sick on the field, collapsing, or dying. Uh, well, I think we I've have. Never, uh... I've been in medicine for more than twenty years, and uh, as a surgeon, and I've uh, been following. Uh, I'm a sports fan, 
so I look at sports uh, news all the time. I've never in my life seen reports of so many young athletes either falling um, breathless or with clutching their chests on the field or actually dying yeah. from uh, from uh, from a heart condition or sudden stoppage of the heart. And, you know, you have to think, why is that happening? Why is that happening? And anecdotally, people like uh, uh, the pastor here was telling me that his son's um, uh, schoolmate, who's 18 year old, a girl with who was completely fit, absolutely nothing wrong with her, uh, died of a heart attack. So uh, this doesn't normally happen. No. Uh, this, uh, you know, the the uh, the media spin on this is that this happens all the time. Come on, uh, do <laughs> yeah. the research. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, grow a conscience. Yeah. And I think we're now, you know, in terms of the professional athletes that have uh, either dropped on the field or, 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 you know, died off, off the pitch, uh, we're somewhere approaching 300. I think the last number I saw was 293 or 296 uh, globally. And, you know, that includes uh, soccer, football, hockey, uh, the whole nine yards. And, and yeah, when has that ever happened in history? You know, exactly never. Uh, so th this is a dangerous, a dangerous, dangerous precedent that is trying to be forced upon us. Uh, the other interesting uh, point that I think we need to make is that it appears now that COVID recovered individuals who are vaccinated can suffer more or greater adverse reactions. And um, given the mild incidence or mild manifestation of COVID in children, how many of our children do you think are actually have natural immunity? And does this pose a greater risk to these uh, children who are COVID recovered that may be vaccinated? So, Michael, uh, you know, if, um, you know, you, you know, the old saying, if it looks like a duck, you know, walks like a duck, swims like a duck, it's a duck. So, in other words, if there's a number of things that are adding up to, to, to something that doesn't make sense, you have to come to the conclusion that this doesn't make sense. And, uh, and you have to look at the COVID narrative in the same way. So, um, Everybody acknowledges, including the authorities, that a lot of the percentage of the population are, have already had COVID. Okay? Among kids, it's more than 50%. Okay. Uh, in some cases, in, in the UK, I believe it's more than 80%. Okay. Now, the data is very clear. If you've had COVID naturally, if, in other words, you've had the infection, your immunity or your resistance against any future infection with COVID is anything from 13 to 27 times better than any kind of immunity that a vaccine can give you. And this applies to both kids and adults. So you have to ask yourself the question, if this is known, if this is actually in the literature, why are the authorities forcing coercing people to have this jab who have already recovered from COVID. So, you know, I've already talked about a lot of things that don't make sense. This is one of the big things that don't make any sense, okay, uh, to us physicians, but also on, on the sense of common sense, okay? So at a common sense level, just look at this. You've had COVID, you're immune to getting COVID again, but you still must get the vaccine in order to get on a plane or to keep your job. How, how does that make sense? So is this really about the vaccine or is it about control? Yeah. 
Yeah. Is, it, is, it, is it about the vaccine or is it about the billions of dollars of money the vaccine is making for these criminal companies, which have actually been convicted of criminal, uh, have been actually been charged with criminal fraud and have settled charges of criminal fraud uh, in the past. So you, you, have to, you have to make this decision for yourself. But again, all I'm giving you is informed consent. I'm not telling you anything that is not already documented. Uh, I, the, the, the documentation for the excellent immunity that natural infection gives you is very clear. It has been for several months. Uh, you know, there's been good data that shows that almost never can you get COVID twice. If you've had COVID infection, uh, you cannot get it twice. And uh, and. Peter McCullough has done an individual tally of the supposed cases around the world, billions and billions of people. And he said, maybe there are about 90 out of that, that have said, you know, they got it twice. And even that, we don't know whether that was a false positive case and so on. So if kids have had it, they can't get it. If more than 50% of kids have already had it and already have immunity against it, why do you want to inject them with a, uh, with an, with an injection that has never been used in humans before and which has its own severe adverse effects so yes. think about think about uh, think about the information you are receiving and think about how vulnerable kids are to uh, to peer pressure to parent pressure and 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 you must fight against this parents uh, because you, you 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 actually have to protect your kids and it, 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 the, I've heard this narrative that you have to vaccinate the kids to protect the adults. It doesn't work that way in society. Uh, society is formed uh, with the premise that it's the adults who protect the kids. To do proper kid protection, you need good informed consent. So you have to get the information. And one very good way of getting information is a website. It's called covidkidfacts.ca. And uh, uh, just go to that website and look at it. Uh, and uh, it's, it's, there are physicians, eminent scientists who uh, have uh, started that website. Uh, and it's meant to inform Canadians about the mRNA vaccine for kids. Uh, COVIDkidfacts.ca. Excellent. Thank you. And it seems to me from the research that the vaccinated individuals can still transmit the virus and in fact may be more transmissible than an unvaccinated individual, uh, you know, which again kind of adds to the madness of the narrative. Um, is that correct in your opinion? So if it walks like a duck, looks like a duck, swims like a duck, it's a duck. If, it, if there are multiple cases of fraud and trying to deceive you about this virus, then the whole narrative is a fraud. These are, this is kind of common sense, right? So uh, this is another narrative that has collapsed, completely collapsed. Yeah. Uh, if, you, if, you, if, you, if listeners, if your listeners can just tune back to um, just this year, uh, April this year, um, and you had this guy who's a complete fraud, Fauci, coming on uh, multiple airwaves and said, you know, this vaccine is so good. 
and is you know uh, in his in his sort of uh, irritating uh, condescending way this vaccine is so good if you have it you can't get it you can't transmit it you have this uh, complete uh, I, I don't know what to call her but she's made so contradictory statements and she's heading the CDC Rochelle Walensky but I, I, she's made statements that just don't stand up to facts but back in April, she was also saying, you know, this vaccine is really good. If you get it, you can't, if you get the vaccine, you can't transmit it, you can't get it. Now, the same Rochelle Walensky was on the airwaves about two months ago and said, you know, the, the vaccine actually doesn't stop you from getting it. And the vaccine doesn't uh, stop you from transmitting it. So, uh, you know, again, look at, look at all the evidence of the collapsing narratives around you and think. Uh, if 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 multiple narratives are collapsing are shown to be false, is the entire narrative probably false? So the, you know if it walks like a duck, looks like a duck, swims like a duck, it's a duck. If it walks like a collapsing false narrative and swims and and moves like one, it's it's probably false. So uh, so that is now being shown. Um, multiple studies have shown that if you have if you get the vaccine, you can still get COVID. You can still transmit it. And so, uh, you know, think about this, Michael. If the vaccine works, you don't need a vaccine pass, right? If the vaccine does not work, you don't need a vaccine pass. I mean, if it works, you don't need pa a, a, a pass. If it doesn't work, you don't need a pass. And why do you have passes? It's for control. Uh, and, and Canadians should think again, because giving up their freedoms for a virus, is it worth it? Uh, is it worth, uh, you know, there, 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 are, um, there are hockey clubs, for example, for young people that are illegally excluding uh, vaccine-free kids from, uh, from, from practice and from games. Uh, so you have to then think, uh, Canadians have to think. So, for a virus that has statistically zero risk for kids, they want to get them injected with a vaccine that does not protect them from transmitting it or getting it. And they want them to have this um, this segregation and medical apartheid for for this completely unnecessary reason. Uh, so, are, are Canadians willing to give up? hundreds of years of hard-won freedoms in order to get a digital pass on your on your phones. I know I, I know many of uh, you are sort of at this stage, you, you think it's really cool having this QR code on your thing and showing it and getting scanned and beep and you're in. But think about the future. Think about whether your behavior, and not just for vaccines, but whether in fact you're pleasing the government in other ways will also be on your QR code. So for example, uh, let's say you've made, uh, uh, let's say I, because I've criticized government policies here, uh, because I, I might then need a QR code to say that I've actually been pretty good in supporting government policies. If I haven't, then I may not get that code and I may not be let into areas of influence either. So uh, it, it, there's no ending to 
if if entry into places is based on your personal health decisions then if you have a personal health decision that says that okay i for example mammograms okay in breast cancer are very controversial uh, there's no consensus that mammograms save lives in fact recently the 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 uh, in the Canadian guidelines say you don't need a, an annual one, you can have one every two or three years. So let's say uh, the government decides you must get one every six months. If not, you must have a cure. And, and if you do, you'll get a QR code. And if you don't have a QR code, you can't be let into ball games and dances and parties and, uh, and so on. Would you, be, would you be willing to go with that? So, you know, you, you have to think what you are willing to give up in order to get this sort of uh, very superficial freedom. Well, well, we'll take it one step further than that. Uh, obviously, in, in our last inter interview, we covered the fact that your accusers questioned your mental health. Uh, and I, uh, you know, I've listened to that uh, recording several times, uh, and it's shocking uh, what, what that was said. Recently here, uh, last week, we had uh, one of our brave doctors in British Columbia who was uh, raising the alarm about the number of stillborns uh, uh, being born in a 24-hour period at Lionsgate Hospital. Uh, he was arrested in his home and deposited in the psych ward uh, where he still is presently interned. And again, this to me is you know 100% Soviet-style tactics where if you are a political dissident, um, and you fail to recount your opinion, we will take you into a mental institution and either, you know, uh, through a process of attrition, uh, change your mind or we'll chemically lobotomize you uh, and you'll come out saying nothing other than uh, nonsense. And, and, you know, this to me is, is a, the next step in this tyranny. Uh, and I think that people should be very, very alarmed by this development. Your thoughts? Uh, I have to condemn in the strongest possible terms the illegal confinement of anybody. And I think the the case you're referring to is Dr. Mel Bruchet. Correct, uh, yes. And, 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 and yes, it, it is uh, communist Soviet Nazi uh, style tactics. It's actually a playbook that was, that, that is, that was written um, even before that, but came into uh, widespread use during the Soviet and Nazi tyrannies. Uh, any, you know, they knew that physicians uh, and and academics have a great influence on the public, so they knew that they had to capture the academy. Uh, and to do that, they, uh, for example, in the in the Soviet Union, there was a guy called Lysenko. He was a geneticist. Uh, and because the Soviet authorities did not like the Western ideas of genetics, they asked him to come up with a new theory of genetics, which he did. Uh, and if you didn't, uh, if you didn't actually go along with the official narrative of genetics, as as promulgated by this guy called Lysenko, L-Y-S-E-N-K-O, people can look it up. Actually, there's a Wikipedia entry. It's called Lysenkoism. So it's like COVIDism now. If you don't have the official narrative, you're persecuted. So yeah. if you didn't have the official narrative of Lysenko, now, by the way, then the Soviets had, a, had an official narrative for everything, uh, for medicine, for um, you know, chemistry, for biology. They left physics and space alone, because I guess they knew better because they wanted to compete with the Americans, uh, but everything else. So uh, if you told the official line, you would in fact be picked up 
by the, the, the predecessor of the KGB, the Soviet secret police. He would either be deposited in a, in a psychiatric ward like this doctor, or you would be uh, taken to the gulag and left there to die uh, of uh, starvation and hard work. And or you uh, actually Lysenko turned on his own uh, mentor and his uh, professor who had taught him genetics was then interned in a prison and died there. So th this has actually been repeated by the tyrants of the past. And Canadians should be outraged by this sort of thing happening now. Yes. And, and you know, you bring up a great point with the QR codes and, you know, many people have acquiesced um, to be able to socialize with their friends in restaurants and, and, and bars and such, uh, or attend their, their child's uh, sports events. Uh, but, you know, once you have acquiesced and allowed the entry of the state into your body, where does that end? Uh, and I have uh, some, some inf information that this uh, federal QR code already has a uh, social credit score attached to it, and it has much more information than simply your vaccine um, status at this point. And so, yes, where does this end? You know, so uh, a gentleman like yourself or me, uh, you know, our uh, social credit score will be alarmingly low because we are questioning the narrative uh, and we will, you know, we will refuse, we will refuse uh, the, the state sanctioned uh, tyranny of, of medical oppression. And so, you know, to what level does this go? Where does this go? Um, and so, you know, I guess the question is, what can Canadians do to resist this? Um, I guess, and first of all, you know, th this would be the average Canadian. And then the other question is, you know, what can the medical professionals do within Canada to to push back and to resist this tyranny and the direct this this wrong direction that we're headed? Uh, I think that's uh, that. Those are very good questions, uh, Michael. Uh, just before I get on to that, I I want to make the point uh, about our kids. Uh, myocarditis, by the way, is only one of the possible adverse effects of this mRNA vaccine. Uh, in, when we speak of adverse effects, we, we, we divide it into immediate effects, medium-term effects, one to two years, and long-term effects. And uh, the, the myocarditis is what we would call the immediate effect. There are other ones too. Uh, for example, there was the problem with the uh, AstraZeneca one, which got it pulled from the Canadian market of causing strokes. The problem is that the spike protein, which the mRNA produces, actually is toxic in itself and can cause clotting. So it can cause uh, problems in different parts of the body in the acute or immediate phase. And then you have to go on to the, uh, to the intermediate one to two years, can it cause autoimmune diseases? Nobody knows. Can it cause cancers? Later on, nobody knows. It's a new technology, never been used uh, clinically in humans before, and all this should be part of informed consent. And how many kids, I mean, many provinces said, oh, if you're in school and you're a 12 year old, you can give consent. How many 12 year old kids can actually, will, can even say myocarditis? I mean, you know, in this Google instant world, uh, many kids have problems pronouncing long words. So they can't even pronounce myocarditis. Uh, and, and how do they know about it? Uh, so, look, you know, when you talk about adverse effects, there are immediate adverse effects, 
medium-term adverse effects, and then long-term effects. And uh, you know, the long-term effects were not studied in the in the vaccine trials. Remember that. The, the, there are lots of problems with the vaccine trials too, and and the, we we can probably have a whole session to discuss about it. But the the, the vaccine trials themselves were flawed. But they was they were only two month trials, two two and a half months. What happens after that? But even in that two and a half months, if you look at the Pfizer's latest data, there's all kinds of problems, thousands and thousands of adverse effects. Um, but if you look at the data beyond to two and a half months into six months, one year, uh, we want that data. We want to know what happens to our kids in six months, in one year, in two years, for a virus that is of no threat to them at all. If you if you going to, if you want to inject my kid with a vaccine that is that, that 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 is supposed to be protective for a for a disease that is of no threat to them then you better show me very clearly that this vaccine is safe for my kid and the fact is that has not been shown so coming back to your question about the qr code uh you have to look at china uh, i know our uh, our prime minister admires china he said so himself uh, he, uh, he said something to the effect that he admires their basic form of dictatorship or something but the tragedy for Canadians is that there is no opposition party. Uh, and so Her, Her Majesty's loyal opposition is supposed to hold the government to account. Instead, we have one party rule. Uh, and we have a fascist rule where the government actually gets a free pass for everything it does. And so uh, unless Canadians wake up and send the government to power that actually has their best interest in heart, or at least an opposition uh, to power that actually opposes the government, then I'm afraid that you know Canadians have to fight this on another level. And you have to fight it because the QR code is only the beginning. So if a QR code can be tied to your vaccine, can it also be tied to your bank account? Uh, I mean, uh, look, I'm not, I'm not saying that that's gonna happen, but if oh. it can't, if it can I, happen, yeah. if it can happen, uh, it probably will. Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly we've seen some examples in Europe, uh, Slovenia. You have to show your pass to get gas. Uh, a couple other nations now, there's no access uh, for unvaccinated to anything. Uh, you know, the, the, it's this is where this is going. I don't think anyone should fool themselves that uh, you know what what privileges are available to us today are not guaranteed to be available to us tomorrow. I mean, that's quite clear in this in this narrative. Not at all, and 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 uh, you know, we who uh, value freedom and liberty must realize that it has to be actively guarded. Uh, freedom and liberty are, uh, are are things that are always challenged by tyrants, by fascist governments like the ones we have now in the West, um, including in Canada, unfortunately. Uh, by 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 charlatans who get elected, but then who essentially corrupt the whole system uh, to to exert that kind of power. So freedom is always under threat, and unless we actively guard and push back and fight back, we will have it taken away in the blink of an eye. Now remember, in in, in uh, what happened in Nazi Germany, uh, they initially our Jewish brothers and sisters were characterized as carrying diseases, falsely. False. There was false accusations, completely false, that they carried. Uh, I believe at that time it was the the. I mean now it's COVID. At that time it was typhus, 
Okay? Yes. Uh, and, and, and for that reason and for other reasons, uh, Jewish businesses were boycotted. They were, uh, you know, if you could, like in, in, in Berlin in, the 19, in 1938, there were some areas, like you couldn't sit in a particular, particular bench in the park if you were Jewish, okay? You couldn't go to public libraries if you were Jewish. Uh, and, and then by the end of the year, they had, uh, our, our Jewish brothers and sisters were wearing the yellow star of David uh, on, their, on their shirts. So if yes. you want to descend uh, into that kind of society, if you don't, then you have to fight for it. You have to fight for our freedoms. It doesn't come free. No. And this, uh, this is a, a vintage Gesundheit Pass, which is, uh, you know, a 1930s version of our QR code. And, uh, you know, the, the thing that bothers me the most with this whole situation, you know, having just passed Remembrance Day, all these brave men that, you know, fought for an ideal, which was freedom, you know, the, the, essentially all these people who are complying and acquiescing to these measures are pissing on their graves. You know, we are, we are dishonoring the fallen who gave their lives and sacrificed so much uh, for us to enjoy what we do today. And, uh, you know, people don't have the intestinal fortitude to stand up for themselves and not wear a mask, for God's sake. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, in some ways, perhaps we've invited this upon ourselves because we've allowed, we've become complacent. And, uh, you know, maybe the population needs a bit of a spanking uh, to, to wake up and to realize that freedom isn't free. You know, that freedom is, is a concept that needs to be worked for and guarded. Uh, otherwise, it will be taken away from you. Absolutely. I mean, there's a World War II veteran uh, who said recently that, you know, if I knew that Canada was coming to this, maybe I wouldn't have fought the Germans that hard. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> because, look, in my province of Saskatchewan, okay, uh, in, in the years after the Depression, uh, many young kids signed up to fight against Hitler and Nazi tyranny. Um, they knew that this, this, this was much more than politics or even um, the economy. It was, it was the very soul of the nation that was, that was, that was being threatened. That was our, our basic freedoms and liberties. They went, they gave their lives. And yes, I do agree. We have to honor their memory. We have to, we have to make sure that, um, that, that, that these young men, women did not die in vain. Uh, yes. Recently, there was, a, there was an exhibition in Saskatoon, where I live, of uh, young guys who had gone from the farm to fight in the Second World War, but didn't return. And many of them are like 19, 21. Yeah. They're kids. 22. They're kids, but they yeah. knew that, that, you know, this is a generational fight for freedom. And, and, and this generational consequential, consequential fight for freedom has come back now. Yeah. And these, these kids, these, these, you know, millions of people who died in the past, not just in the Second World War, but throughout history. I mean, are the freedoms we have gotten now are the result of a Christian civilization that has taken hundreds of years to come to the kind of freedoms that we enjoy. Yes, but it, yes. But really easy to give them all up in a few months if you're not yes. careful. Yeah, and probably one of the things that disappoints me most about the present situation is that when I attend some of these freedom rallies or these gatherings, I don't see many sub-30 
people there. I see a lot of gray hair, a lot of white hair, a lot of wrinkled faces. Uh, and it, it, it really disturbs me that the, the people whose life is going to be affected the most for the longest are completely disconnected from what's going on. And, you know, if we, if we dial the clock back to the sixties and early seventies, uh, with the Vietnam, uh, war era resistance that was largely played out on university campuses uh, across America because those young people said, this is not the world that I want to inhabit. And so, you know, the question I have and, you know, is, is where are youth? I mean, they either they've been completely captured by the, you know, the Yuri Bezmenov style indoctrination uh, through the edu indoctrination slash education system and their minds are blank to what's going on and they simply, you know, it's propaganda in and uh, mindless obedience out. Um, this to me is a major problem because, you know, the, the, the old folks aren't going to win this. Um, you know, many of them are, are, are in opposition, but just trying to figure out a way to navigate the, the balance of their lives in peace, uh, not live out a majority of their life in this system. And, and I, I, I'm not sure how we're going to reach those kids, but, or, you know, those young people. Well, one way is by, by uh, radio broadcasts like the one you're doing. Uh, the other way is, of course, by, uh, by other social media means and so on, because many of them are in social media, TikTok and, and Twitter and, and so on. Um, but uh, to the larger question of why more young people are not uh, awake to the tyranny, uh, I think um, if you look at history again, um, the, the, the person who became a Nazi or a co communist uh, person in the Soviet Union uh, was not necessarily uh, a criminal. I mean, it, uh, in other words, ordinary people so, were sold into the tyranny. Okay, so um, if you look at, uh, at, at accounts of the historical past, our recent past, uh, millions and millions of people who were otherwise, quote unquote, normal citizens, okay, were sold into the tyranny. In other words, uh, the, 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 the it, it, it authoritarian solution to an imaginary problem is very attractive. So if you, if you, if you sort of browbeat a population, as they very well succeeded in doing, by isolating uh, through lockdowns, by the way, the lo term lockdown is a prison term. Most people don't realize that. It's not a public health term. Uh, it's never been used, the term knockdown, lockdown. Yes, it was a knockdown too. But uh, the, 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 the word lockdown comes from the prison uh, population. Uh, prison populations are regularly locked down. Normal people shouldn't be locked down, right? So uh, this is, public health has been using the term lockdown. Uh, but they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Because if you look at the history of quarantine, it was only for the sick. Nobody ever heard of quarantining millions of healthy people. By the way, even the WHO said that lockdowns are bad. Okay. And now you have our public health guys here, some woke individuals who are calling for further lockdowns because of this imaginary Omicron thing that's going on. Uh, I mean, it's 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 a real virus, but the threat is 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 crazy, uh, overplayed. Uh, but I have to say, if you lock down and terrorize a population by lockdown, social isolation, um, you know, young people they like to, you know meeting other young people, 
um, you know, they, 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 they like hanging out with other young people. They like going to the movies with the young people. If you stop them from doing all that, they terrorize them. And then you say, oh, there's this wonderful solution. It's called the vaccine and it'll give you all this. And then you'll get this QR code and the QR code is going to give you the freedoms. But I have to say, young people are also waking up. Uh, I had young people tell me that, you know, Dr. Christian, I didn't really believe in this vaccine. I didn't think I needed it. I'm 24, I'm really fit. But I took it because, you know, I thought I'll take one, then I'll take two, I'll be able to do all the things I enjoy, you know, um, you know, go out with my friends um, and, and so on. But now they're telling me I need a third. And they're telling me that I'm, I might need a fourth and I'm done with this. And not only that, they're telling me that I've, I'm double vaccinated, but I still have to wear a mask. I still have to socially distance. So why the hell did I get vaccinated at all? So again, you know, going back to if it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, swims like a duck, it's a duck. If it's yeah. if it walks like a fraud, this vaccine narrative. If it talks like a like like a fraud, if it swims like a fraud, it it, it probably is a fraud. Yes, yes. So how are we going to hold the perpetrators of this fraud legally accountable? and uh, ensure that they see some consequences for their actions. I know uh, Dr. Reiner Fulmish is conducting the Nuremberg 2.0, but I mean, that's really sort of a mock trial. Um, do you envision that these, uh, the masterminds behind this narrative or, or, and, the perpetra and their perpetrators uh, need to be held accountable and punished? I mean, there has to be accountability for this, uh, for this fiasco, this debacle, uh, this the societal, public health, governmental debacle that that is taking place. Um, I have to say, uh, in answer to your question, do you think they will be held accountable? Absolutely, 100%. No tyranny lasts forever. That should make the tyrants of today really scared. Okay, if if the conscience, if the health of helpless kids doesn't move their conscience, then let's hope fear does. Because you don't know, I don't know, no historian knows of a single tyranny that has lasted forever. Every tyranny has a life defined lifespan, including this one. When the tyranny ends, yes, there will be justice. There'll be justice for the perpetrators of this tyranny. That should pe make people who are running this tyranny, including government officials and public health officials, scared that justice is coming. Not mob justice, but justice of the courts. Legally, there's a lot of liability going around already. The way the trials were approved, the way lockdowns were pushed on scientifically, the way everything was was sort of geared to this vaccine without early treatment, with the way the government is blocking effective early treatment, including, I mean, ivermectin is, is one of the effective treatments, but there are a number of effective early treatments that the government has blocked, including our previous health minister who had absolutely no training in health, saying that adequate vitamin D levels is a conspiracy theory. <laughs> in, in parliament on record. That, that literally, probably killed a lot of people because we know that adequate vitamin D levels has an 
risk reduction for keeping people out of the ICU and keeping keeping people alive. So uh, if the government, for example, had any real interest in public health, they would be sending vitamin D and ivermectin and doxycycline to people's homes. Well, it's strange as, that... As they did, by the way, as they've done in many other countries, including Mexico and India, and they've solved their, their COVID problem. Yeah, and, and the, uh, the highly uh, developed country known as El Salvador has been handing out kits to its population as well. So, I mean, the, the, there is becoming um, a, a counterpoint to this madness um, where there is sensible leadership uh, which, you know, I know we have to, we haven't sort of mentioned, you know, the, the fact that it really seems like these Western leaders are moving in lockstep uh, to some dictate, which uh, I, I can't help but uh, avoid thinking that Klaus Schwab and his uh, World Economic Forum and his, his goals and his agenda behind this, uh, particularly when we, when we realize that so many of these Western world leaders are young global leader graduates of the World Economic Forum. Uh, you know, including uh, the dishonorable Mr. Dressup and Jasmeet Singh, uh, Christina Freeland, uh, you know, and the list just goes on and on and on. I mean, it's 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 pretty pretty clear what's going on, and um, you know, it is upon Canadians themselves to to make a, a change. Um, I I totally agree with you that there is does seem to be in Western nations a sort of. Um, you know, bowing to a common, irrational, dictatorial, totalitarian control of the masses. Um, now, I have to say that um, I haven't gone, you know, in any depth into the World Economic Forum, but I do know there are there are characters that literally look like James Bond villains, and 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 if you look, if you watch some of the James Bond movies, uh, and I'm not going to name uh, the person, but or the persons, there are some people who literally look like, like the James Bond villains, and who, who, <laughs> who some people say are running the show. So, uh, you know, it's very interesting to me because in the James Bond movies, these guys also have global ambitions. They want to globally control the planet with various means. Or, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's very true. I mean, I'm, I'm waiting for one of them to uh, appear on a press conference with a big fluffy white cat at some point. I mean, it's, you know, it's getting to that point. <clears throat> so, uh, Dr. Christian, listen, it's been, it's been a fantastic conversation. We've, we've covered some some ground here. Um, I know in our in our in our uh, prelude to this discussion, we mentioned that you may have uh, either a poem or some scripture for us. Uh, did you did you uh, did you prepare something for us? Would you would you care to read that? Yes, I. Um... I'm, I'm a poet as well as a surgeon, and in April, my book of poems was released to the world. It's called To a Nurse Friend Weeping, uh, and um, um, Michael, can I, can I just go and get the book? Yes, yes, go right ahead, sir. One moment, listeners, while uh, Dr. Christian fetches his volume and uh, will be graced by uh, a reading of his poetry. All right, listeners, we're back. Uh, Dr. Christian has found his book, so I'll, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you have at it, there, sir. 
Well, thanks very much, Michael. Um, the, the poem I'm going to read for you from my book of poems, uh, the title of the book is To a Nurse Friend Weeping. Um, and the, the poem I'm going to read for you is He Could Have Come Down. He could have come down from the cross and made a dash for distance between us and him and all that he tore himself literally to shreds over and goodbye to blood sweat and all that and to sheep and shepherd and all that there would have been a stir all right because one generation would have remembered his soft voice and steps his silver tones and piercing eyes and hands that wrought life into the clay and history would have wept and known they kept eternity trapped in time, for a while at least. Whilst they made hay and money and happiness, and the sun shone like never before into their lives and homes. And several graves would have marked where they lay in splendor, girded with the grand soils of a million years, yearning with them to be free from this cycle of so many deaths and births. But he stayed for three hours and a million years. He stayed and felt the pulse of the universe beat in tune with the pulse of clay. And the death of birth and death and the reckoning of the years. Mm, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Well, sir, uh, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. I appreciate what you're doing uh, for uh, your fellow man. Uh, I wish there was uh, more physicians across Canada that were uh, doing something similar, uh, but perhaps uh, by your efforts uh, and your truth, many others will be inspired to step in the light and uh, reject the narrative and uh, do their job as, as they are intended to do it. Thank you, Michael. It's always a pleasure being on your show. God bless you and the work you're doing. God bless you as well and your family, sir. We'll be in touch soon. Uh, Merry Christmas and uh, all the best for the new year. Merry Christmas to you too. Take care. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye.